You're listening to Lead On with Greg and Mark, brought to you by the Pennsylvania Association of Intermediate Units. Join us this season as we engage in conversations on leading on through times of complexity. Now for your hosts, Greg and Mark. Hello, Greg. Hello, Mark. How are you? Wonderful. Greg, it's always good to see you. Always good to see you. This has been a, a, a true pleasure. True pleasure. True pleasure? True pleasure. You like that? Yeah, my dad says when people meet him, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. He goes, yes, I know it is. <laughs> That's good. I love the dad sayings. Yeah, dad jokes. We, we trade dad we, we jokes, you trade. and I. We do. Yeah, what time, what time do you go to the dentist? 2.30. Oh, how did you know that one? It's come my on, favorite. Come on, come on. Uh, d- dad jokes have actually become a thing at our intermediate unit. When I have a staff meeting for our office staff, you know, the folks that nice. work in the central office. Very nice. We, we literally have started for the last several years, every, years, every meeting with dad jokes. I love it. I Where love do you it. keep your dad jokes? So I actually, my kids get me a calendar. Oh, is that a, is that a, that's a, that's a answer that's the a question. Joke. It's okay. Where, I don't know. Where do you keep your dad jokes? In a database. Oh, I like it. I Come like on. it. I, when you, when you what? asked me that question, I thought, because I got a Christmas present from Callie, my, my youngest, uh-huh. and it was a dad, dad, bad dad joke of the day calendar. So every day I could read a new joke. It was great. I love that. Yeah. Uh, one of my colleagues at the last meeting gave me a sticker with that database joke. Oh, that's great. So that's a shout out to, yeah, to Susan. Go. Thank you. There you Susan. go. Nice. Um, so how are you doing? So I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah. what are you, uh, what have you been thinking about lately? So it, I was thinking a lot about when I first started as an executive director, mm-hmm. um, I had this, uh, this whole revelation, um, that I was going to have this, what I called, I was talking in third person, like Seinfeld here, but Greg's year of yes. I like that. Greg's year of yes. Was that your first year as an exec? It was my first year as an exec, the 2017-18 school year. So Greg's year of yes. I assume this means we're going on a, in, in a, on a trajectory where we talk about you being not able to say no? That is absolutely correct. So, uh, well, but see, I understand that, right? You take over. Yes. And not only did you take over, you took over in a new organization, right? Yes. In a new county, new community. All new faces, all new people. And you want to be liked. Of course. You want to be popular. That's right. You want to do a good job. Yes. You probably still haven't figured out what your workload is really like. I mean, you know it's going to be crazy, but you don't actually know yet because you haven't started. Yes, right. Exactly. And everybody wants a piece of you. That's correct. I mean, who, who couldn't with this mug? Well, that's why this is uh, an audio only That is. I podcast. mean, I do have a great face for radio or podcasts, as they say. Wow, Greg. More so, dad jokes. But I'm bummed. So, uh, so your first year as exec, you're calling it Greg's year of, of yes? Greg's year of yes. But okay, so I get the sense that you've got some lessons learned. So I have a lot of lessons learned, and it really has to come. It comes down to you need to be careful. All right, uh, it gets risky when you say yes to everything because there's this whole thing about time, right, um, and making commitments. And if you overcommit yourself, it's hard to do each one of those things very well, right? If you have too many things, it's hard to do all of them and with excellence, right? So I had to, I feel like I had to sacrifice some things. And to be honest, I'm coming up on my sixth year, April 1st, and it's, it's tough to let go. It's tough. Some of the boards that I'm on, those kinds of things, it's, it's tough to say, no, I can't serve another term. Um, and it really is. So all those things that I committed to back in, the two, in 2017, now I'm paying for. Okay, but you've obviously benefited also from your participation in those things. Yes, I have. Yes, so I, have. I would hate for someone listening to this who's affiliated with you in any of those roles to think that you somehow regret making those choices. No, I don't regret it at all. No. But you've learned. 
but I've learned to be selective about you know what what I make commitments for. Is it hard for you naturally to say no outside of work? It is. It is. So I, your kids come up to life, you. They say, "Dad, daddy, daddy, yeah. daddy." I, I know want Domino's. I want. Point. I want this. I want that. Yeah, I, I, I'm there. So you're, you're, you're um, you want people to be happy. You're, like, you're like a fixer. I am. A, a, a people pleaser. I mean that people, in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't take any offense by that. No, but I mean like there's probably some correlation between leaders and saying yes, right? So, so yes. I'm not talking about successful leaders, but but definitely leaders, right? People who believe that to get to the to get people to endorse you or support you or rally behind you. Yes. So you so, need to say yes to their questions, right? Yeah. So I could tell you when I did it, just for example, when I did a Google search on this, yeah. I found nine articles of the 10, yeah. nine were the positives of saying yes yeah. as a leader. The one was the negatives. And that's what I have to share today. The negatives of saying yes. Yeah. And it's called the danger of saying yes, how doing it all minimizes your leadership. And this is by Jacqueline Brzezinski. Brzezinski. Rod, Rodnitsky. Rodnitsky. Thank you, Jacqueline. Yes. Yep. So, okay. So, so, all right. So let's set the stage for the listeners. Okay. Yeah. You're appointed executive director. That's right. You've got a, you didn't move your family, but you have to move your place of employment. That's right. At longer commute. Longer commute. Okay. When did the request start coming? Before your first day after you were appointed or did it take a while while you were in the seat? I would say from day one on. Day one on. Day one on. I, I think people see a new, a new face, a new, uh, new executive director. They want, they want some answers. They want some commitments. Yeah. And these are people inside your organization and people outside of your organization, so, right? Oh, it evolved. So it became outside. And I actually, that's where a lot of the benefits came from is my involvement with like the School Cold Chamber. Yeah. Uh, my involvement with School Cold United Way. Very valuable. Well, right. Because think about it. You're moving into a new community professionally. Yes. You work for an agency that's the intermediate unit, right? Like literally the intermediary, the hub, the connector, the nexus, whatever cliche. Got you got to meet people. Yes. So you don't meet people by sitting in your office, right? That's correct. And I think your organization, your board probably counts on you to be the face to some degree or a face of the organization with these kinds of groups, right? Yeah, you have to represent. You know, you're out there. So I totally get why you did it. I mean, I did the same thing. I, I joined... The chamber. I rejoined the chambers of commerce, the yes. Rotary, um, uh, various boards related to workforce development, uh, various charitable nonprofit groups, and not to mention our state associations, exactly. and not to mention the day job stuff that you have to do. But that's how you meet people, right? Isn't that how you build a little bit of credibility and and, and become a, a recognized as a resource? It definitely is, and I could tell you going into the school culinary media unit, I only knew like one or two people. Yeah. The board president and the special education director. They're the two that I knew coming in. So clearly, no doubt we're going to talk about some of the positives. Yes. But you say that Jacqueline in her article has a couple of negatives. So she does. She does. And she outlines, it's actually three areas, and she calls them downsides. All right. So I like that better because da- negative feels yeah, like, negative like feels, you regret. Yeah, like wah, wah, wah. Yeah, or that there was something wrong with doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. so let's talk about the down. What's the first one, Greg? Okay, and I think, I, okay, so looking here, uh, downside number one, revenue declines. So uh, they say stop, uh, she says here, stop chasing too many priorities. Um, this There's a correlation between the length of an organization's priority list and a decline in revenue growth. While shorter, more focused priority lists 
um, of often one to three key items lead to greater revenue growth. So that's one of our points there. It's like an inverse correlation. The more um, the more varied your priorities, the less you can focus on each priority. Exactly, exactly. And, and the way she says it here, the more focused the organizational strategies, the healthier the business is. The more, the more focused the organizational strategies are, the healthier yeah. the business is. Yep, that's it. So that's the first. Okay, so, but, all right, so, Okay, so revenue declines. We're not, I mean, we care about revenue. We have to make payroll. We have to grow, right? Right. Um, and so I, I, I can understand that any anybody that's running a business, a nonprofit, any organization obviously cares about that. Did, do, you, do you find that that's true? Or it, couldn't Converse be true that the more opportunities that you're engaged in as the executive director, the more relationships you're developing, the more opportunities there are to grow revenue through partnerships and services that you provide to people that might not have even known you existed? Yeah, so I... I completely agree with that, but I got to tell you, I'm just going to speak specifically to grants. Okay, so we're fortunate to have a grant writer, Dr. Mm -hmm. Portland, awesome person, very knowledgeable. The thing is, we have so many grant opportunities, sometimes that's too many. Well, I understand And it's great to bring the money in, but you also have to manage those. And you don't always think about that when you're writing the grants, that you have to manage these quarterly reports, expense reports, all those kinds of things. Well, especially the grants that you're not allowed to apply any of the money to administrative costs. That's right. You're just, it's just supposed to be supplemental. There's actually a really interesting um, TED Talk about charities. Dan Pallotta, um, he talks about how uh, organizations that th- – there's this misconception with charity. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, but the misconception is the greater the percentage that goes to the end product of the charity, the better the charity, as opposed to organizations where some percentage or a greater percentage than the others that goes to overhead – and he said there's actually a correlation. The more overhead the charity has, the more money they raise because they have more capacity to raise money. So it's all about capacity. That it's about capacity. Sense. So it's, it's, it's not that a, a larger organization or a larger charity is worse than a smaller. Sometimes the larger charities have more capacity. They're able to actually do more. That makes sense. Right. Not my original idea. That's Dan Pallotta's idea, and yeah. I probably butchered it, but it sort of speaks to what I, you're talking about. I thought you said it quite eloquently. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So let's move on to downside number two. What does she say? You create an unfocused organization. That's sort of like before, right? The more focused, the yeah, better. So keep going. Right. So when there are too many priorities, the attention of leaders and their teams is scattered and unfocused, and the organization is burdened with too many priorities. I sort of feel like one and two are the same thing. They do seem very similar, don't right. they? What's number three? All right, number three, your leadership suffers. Okay, so we're taking a little... Uh, this is about you now. This is about me. Okay, go ahead. So, and this... Don't, uh, this might sound like me. You end up running from meeting to meeting, feeling overwhelmed, and frustrating those who rely on you. You don't do anything well, and you're so busy. Well, I do a lot of things well, but that's okay. And you're so busy that you're unable to give your attention to those who need you. You appear frazzled and out of control. Do you, do you think sometimes? No comment. No comment. <laughs> Keep going. All right. So she goes on to talk about what to do. Um, so you got to love this. Uh, Hold on. Oh, right, right. Let's not just all right, skip okay, all right, Let's, all let's right. do a deep psychoanalytical dive into the, uh, to okay. the brain of Greg. All right. So do you feel when you said yes all those times, what was it, six years ago? Yes. Do you feel like the first two were true, that your organizational priorities became uh, more varied and less specific? It, it, it's, it blurred things. Okay. It was hard for me to focus on. Was that contained sorry. to you and your day-to-day, or did that spread to the organization and the people that you support? I have to tell you, I tried to keep that in check because every all the directors have their own goals, and I tried to keep that all. But but I have to tell you, my style yeah. 
it, it, I, I think I appeared at times as a, as a little, maybe a little frazzled. Do you feel that the overall revenue, let's call that growth, sustainability of the IU suffered because you were overcommitted? I wouldn't say suffered. I, I would say that it couldn't have been, we would have moved a lot faster if I wouldn't have made so many commitments. All right. But aren't there counterexamples to my earlier point that by being overcommitted in your first year and meeting new people, that perhaps you opened the door to new opportunities for the IU that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't done that? So I agree with you because it, years later, though, it wasn't immediate. So you so had like the payoff later? The payoff came later. Yeah, but isn't that true for a lot of things like relationships take time? Like, yes. I mean, the relationship is an investment, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you put your time in and ultimately the payoff comes. That's right. So what about the last one, this, this idea of your leadership suffering? So it doesn't sound like the IU or you particularly suffered. And it sounds like the IU maybe was a net benefit to your sort of harried, scattered existence for the first couple of years. What about your leadership style? Do you feel like you were frustrating your, the people that you report, or excuse me, the people that you support? I could tell you I had at least one or two that were a little frustrated with my style uh, because I was go, go, go. I, you know, I, we had so many, there was a lot of work to do when I came in and, you know, I, I put a lot on a lot of people yeah. and, and again, it says running from meeting to meeting. I, I could tell you in, in year six, mm-hmm. that's not no longer, it's no longer the case. So what, so, so let, tell the listeners what's different. So what's different is I learned to say no. And what's different is I learned to prioritize. Okay. Are you saying no? Are you prioritizing? Are you, I mean, are you literally saying no? So I, I, it takes, this is the most difficult part and for our listeners. I'm sure they understand this. Once you make a commitment, you make a commitment. But when, like, let's say it's a board seat, yeah. that board seat has an end, right? So when you're asked to renew, you have to have that hard no. You have to be able to say, you know, I appreciate my experience here, but I, I really need to step down. That is, it, it can be said quickly, but it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. So that's like an external. Yes. But, but let's take it to something that's a little bit closer to home. Let's say that there's a service that you're offering as your organization. All organizations should be taking a strategic look at the things that they do Correct. and whether or not they're generating the revenue they need to break even or to generate a balance. Um, have you looked at your intermediate unit services and, and have you decided that you're not going to do stuff? Let me think. So uh, no, there were things that we've, we've held on to a lot of things. We did have to, like we talk about fingerprinting. Yeah. I had to close one of our two fingerprinting locations. I mean, there were things like that where I felt that we were overextending ourselves. Sure, of course. Staffing, like we, we're all hit by staffing right now. I oh think everybody's feeling it across PA, across US, um, but that's definitely an issue right now. Let me flip this on you. Yeah, sure. All right. Sure. So we've been talking about you. Yep. Let's talk about the people you support, like the people that uh, report to you in the hierarchy. Okay. Do And let's not talk about them like specifically. I don't mean it that way. But I yeah. mean like in your role, right, you're at the top of the hierarchy. And I know that you're a servant leader, so you probably think about it. You're at the bottom of the hierarchy, right? But Correct. But my point is that you're the chief executive officer. Do you find that your team is comfortable saying no to you? And I mean that in a healthy way. Because you need so, that, right? So you can't yeah, surround yourself with yes people, right? So that's cr- and we and we talked about that in previous um, episodes. Yeah, I, I think they've they've become more comfortable. At first, they didn't know how to take my style and uh, with this. So I think they were more yes people when I started. Now it, it did change, and they and I do encourage them to push back. And I and I encourage them if it's not a good idea, you know. Sometimes and uh, it's it's happened recently. You know, I bring up an idea and it's like, I, I don't think we should go that direction. And I respect that. Yeah, because Greg's year of yes could have been you saying yes to everybody and conversely and equally importantly, everybody saying yes to you. 
That's exactly right. And that's the, man, that sounds toxic, right? It sounds toxic. And again, talking about get, getting frazzled and just with too many obligations. Yes. Yeah. So what does Jacqueline say you should do? So these are the things to do. So seek first to understand. So we, that like, that's a Covey thing, I think. That's a Covey thing, I think. Yeah. By asking questions to better understand underlying requests, you'll gain a better understanding of the request and often help the requester gain clarity themselves. Sure, they probably don't even know what they're asking you. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. okay. I like that. Change your defaults, the second one. Yep. What's that? So it says, my client changed her default answer from yes to let me think about it and everyone around her noticed. Something I wanted to bring up with this, so I think we, we're so, in our leadership roles, we're, we're kind of, we're programmed to give responses and direction, right? We're executive directors. We, we need to give direction. Sometimes we're too quick to do that. You know, it's interesting. I read an article a long time ago, and I, I didn't think about it until you just said something. Um, the article was that when someone asks you for something, you have sort of three generic possible answers, yes, maybe, and no, right? So, Greg, can I, yeah, Greg, can, can I have a, a, a widget? You're, yes, Mark, you can have the widget. Maybe, Mark. Or no, Mark, you can't have the widget. The article said the worst answer a boss could give is the middle one because there's ambiguity with the person Maybe. making the request about where they stand. And the article said that even if you say no, you always reserve the right to change your mind later. Great point. I, you know, Great I, point. I, I don't know what you think about that. I'm, and again, I'm, that's not my original thought or idea. I don't even remember who said it or wrote it. But, you know, th this is change your default to let me think about it. That's the maybe default answer. And it, according to this other thought leader, that's the worst answer you can give. Okay. But here, here's the thing with let me think about it. Mm -hmm. It gives some time to process. Sometimes we're reactive. Mm -hmm. And we like to be responsive and, and get back to people. When you say, let me think about it. Now, number one, you're going to have to get back to them and make a, whether it's a calendar rem reminder or yeah. something to get back to them the next day. But it gives some time for me to reflect on it, for them to reflect on it and to really come to a better decision. Because there's times where I think we made too quick of a decision, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've been there. You make a quick decision and it was a wrong decision. Yeah, you know, I don't think their point was that like maybe is terrible or whatever. I think it was that the answer maybe should be no. However, I'll think about it and perhaps you I'll change reserve my... the right to change your mind. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that. Do you like that phrasing better than let me think about it? Well, here's the thing. In this episode, you know, for our listeners here, we're focusing on how to say no. Uh, so so Mark, your 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 whole approach to it is just straight out no. And No, then, no, that's not what I do. I'm, I I'm, I know. I'm just I'm, saying I'm, from that from that advice that yeah. You know, it was yes or no, you, and not using maybe. So, all right. So, no, go, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So she. So the the article goes on to talk about uh you know uh about a VP from this national insurance uh, company saying to her, she said, "I used to say yes to everything, and now I only say yes to what's important. I'm now focused on what really matters, and I'm a better leader as a result. It is game changing for leaders and their organizations when they pause." And create the discipline to understand whether new initiatives fit with top priorities before agreeing to move forward. So that yeah. pause. I'm going to push back again, though, okay. on this. Okay. Yeah. Let me think about it. Yeah. So I come to you and I say, Greg, I want a widget. May I have a widget? Can I please procure a widget? Will you buy me a widget? Whatever, right? And you say, let me think about it. I'm, as the requester, I have no idea what that means. Is it going to take you five minutes? Five hours, five days, five weeks. I don't know when I'm supposed to come back to you to ask again. I don't know what information you need 
to consider the request and possibly decide on yes or no? I'm wondering if there's a better way to approach that uh, that pause. Here's what I would say. So if I did say, let me think about it, I would also follow up with, here's a couple things to think about. Well, of so course, until, that's, until that's the point back. I'm trying to drive at. Yeah, here. yeah. We can't just say, you know, let me think about it, period, and then they leave your office or but whatever. But that's what this article is saying. I'm just pushing back against the article. It is. I, I agree. So I'm just thinking about how we'd fit it into our styles. Yeah. So I would say, okay, so I need to know, you know, obviously what's this going to cost? Mm-hmm. Um, do we have it in our budget mm-hmm. to handle it? Um, how is this going to impact students? You know, it's always a big question of mine. Um, you know, it's how many students are we going to be able to benefit from this? Right. I sort of, I like that approach better than let me think about it. I like it. I, I'm not able to answer your question right now. The answer is no, or the, the answer isn't yes yet. However you want to phrase it. Cause yeah. no feels like a door closer. It does. It does. And in order for me to make this decision, let's circle around in a week. And before that time, can you please give me the following things? I like right. that. Right. It, it does. I mean, that's a little better, right? Yeah. It's a lot better than saying yes, and then two days later, no. That, that's probably the worst situation, right? To green light something, and then two days later say, I changed my mind. Right, right. Yeah, that, that, that would not work. So are you feeling more comfortable? So I am Six feeling, years in? I'm, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable. I, I a little feel bit more very, selective? A lot more. Uh, so I'm more selective. I'm careful. I'm careful, and I'm calculated in, in my decisions. I got to tell you, there are some really great things that came out of this. Um, in that year, there's not only professional, but personal. Go ahead. Uh, this was Greg's year of yes. So it was yes. And I said probably yes. How many times? At least a hundred in this, in this uh, podcast episode. But uh, one was a food truck. Go ahead. We had in our, our, our technology center, uh, we had uh, the culinary instructor approach me and he goes, listen, I found this tasty cake truck mm-hmm. and it's already like it's a food the, delivery truck food delivery truck yeah. and they already had it taken down to its shell mm-hmm. so for our listeners a tasty cake shell it sounds delicious right delicious delicious nobody bakes so, a cake no, like a tasty cake it's tasty as a tasty cake that, oh tasty that's right yeah, that's right yeah, good memory good memory a lot of, so, I watched a lot of Phillies games growing up so and MAB paints and tasty cake commercials were always oh. on when I was a kid for Phillies games yeah so good when it's quality you can see that's it it's MAB it's MAB. These are the jingles, right? Before, <laughs> yeah. When people used to have to watch commercials. All right, go ahead. All right. So I, I say yes, yeah. going along with my mantra. And it ended up being a long project because this thing called COVID set in and it really set us on a, you know, a tailspin. Go ahead. But right now we have a fully functional uh, food truck and it was all built by all the trades Love that. At, at the technology center. Uh, and I, I literally, I witnessed the instructor. It was uh, auto, auto body. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out how to weld a one of the um, canisters on the back. Sure. And the kids for say, propane. The, yeah, for propane. And they say to the, the instructor, how do we do this? And he goes, I don't know. I've never done this before. Love that. So it was true learning. Right. And, I and got that happened because that. you said yes. And that happened because they said yes. Imagine if you said maybe. Right. I, I mean, they, you, you maybe the, the truck would have been sold to somebody else. It would have been. Yeah, so we started the saying that yes, maybe is not the right answer, and yeah, I think we're so sort of dancing around it. We're dancing around it, but I think it comes down to being selective and being, like I said, honest. calculated, honest, asking um, for data, for data that you need. That's right to make a better informed decision. Yes, I right. love that. Well, Greg, your year of yes, <laughs> while it sounds like you learned a lot, it sounds like it was also quite productive. I would agree. It sounds like your organization and your employees also benefited from the different things that you got yourself involved in. Agree. Sounds like you're coming down a little bit from being super busy all the time. And actually, not that you're not still busy, but um, super preoccupied with new things. I, I am. I, I have a lot more time with staff uh, being more effective that way. So. Yeah. 
Well, I always learn from these conversations, yes. and uh, let's give a shout out to the the author, even though we push back a little bit. I think she gave us a nice framework. The dangers of saying yes, how doing it all minimizes your leadership. I mean, I think that in a sentence is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. So thank you, Jacqueline Broditsky. Thank you. This is you. from uh, November 2018. You can Google it and come up with your own opinions about her theories. All right. So uh, our listeners, uh, as always, we really appreciate your support of Lead On with Greg and Mark. In the meantime, make it a great day and innovate PA. Bye, everybody.